Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Psalm 93. Psalm 93. Psalm 93. This morning I'm beginning a series called Oceans. And in each message in this series, we're going to talk about how the ocean symbolizes something about either God or God things. All right? So we're going to be studying the ocean, in particular, uh, what biblical writers uh, had to say about the ocean and how it relates to theological things. Psalm 93 is where we'll begin. We'll begin with verse 1, Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we look around at your creation, we are awed by all of it, but in particular, there are certain places where we can go that really cause us to think about you. Places like uh, the Rocky Mountains or even the Appalachian Mountains, places like the Grand Canyon, places like the ocean. Lord, when we go to these places, we can't help but think about how awesome you are because you're the God who who artistically designed all of those things, and then you spoke them into existence. And Lord, we get to enjoy them. But Lord, I'm thankful that your word says that the heavens and the earth declare the glory of God. Your creation is constantly preaching the message of how great you are. And so Lord, in this series, I pray that you'd help us to look at just one part, though a huge part of your creation on earth, and help us to, uh, to see what the ocean says about you and about life and about uh, all the many things that we face and experience here in this life. While we're at it, Lord, I pray for anyone here who has never invited you to be their Savior and Lord. I pray that someone in this service would come to know you by receiving you into their hearts, by believing that you died for them. At the same time, Lord, I pray for our church family. We have some folks who uh, very much need our prayers, and we owe it to them because we love them to pray for them. And so, Lord, I come to you praying for uh, Kathy Wood, for, uh, for Donna Lawrence, for Raquel Miller, for David Carpenter, for Dottie Priatko, Wayne Lassiter, for Christy Francis, all of whom are dealing with cancer. I pray for uh, Steve Bourne. I pray for uh, Renee Wright as she recovers from surgery. I pray for 
Laura Zethmar, Renee, our children's minister's uh, mother who's in the hospital. I pray for her uh, cousin, David Stisher, who has cancer. I pray for David Belcher, who has cancer. I pray for Miss Janice Grace and Pat Barnes. I pray for our oldest member, Billy Joyner, and for our oldest male member, Mr. Bob Allen, for Jeanette Stevens, for Edith Powell, for Winnie Thomas, uh, for Edith Powell. Lord, I pray for all of those who are shut in. And Lord, I pray for, for couples who are having troubles. I pray for families who are going through tough times. I pray for our nation. And Lord, I pray for uh, our leaders, for our president as he goes into this summit with North Korea. Lord, regardless of which side of the political spectrum we may fall on, certainly, Lord, we can all agree that a denuclearized and peaceful Korean peninsula is a good thing for the whole world. And so, Lord, we all come together in this very divided world. We come together in the hope for peace in that region of the world and in all regions of the world. And now, Lord, we offer this prayer to you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the ocean. And so I'm eager to preach this uh, series called Oceans, but I want to start each uh, message with a couple of trivia questions, okay? I want to test you to see what you might know about uh, the ocean, all right? So are you ready? Now, I'm not going to grade you, so don't worry about that, but I'd like for everybody to vote. In the first service, we had probably about 130 people here, and I think maybe four people voted. So all of you got to vote. You got to vote. Maybe there was more than four people. Anyway, here's question number one. Question number one, how many oceans are on the earth? I have four different numbers up there. How many different oceans are there on the earth? Okay. Uh, how many of you believe there are four oceans on the earth? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right. We have a couple of hands back there. A few more over here. How many of you believe there are five oceans on the earth? Raise your hand. I see two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven and a half seven and three quarters. All right. How many of you believe there are six oceans on the earth? Raise your hand. Six. We have a few people. How many of you believe there are seven oceans on earth? Raise your hand. All right. And so the majority of people, larger group said there are seven. Well, how many oceans are on the earth? Well, it depends. The number depends on who you ask. Isn't that a, isn't that a bad way to start a trivia question? But it's true. Uh, most countries on earth recognize four oceans However, beginning in the year 2000, uh, scientists and oceanographers, marine biologists, they began recognizing a fifth ocean in, original, in addition to those four. So, uh, and some countries recognize all five of them. The United States is one of those minority countries that recognizes five oceans. So depending on who you ask, it's either four or five. Now let me give you one other a trivia question about the ocean. Are you ready for this? Which of the following is not one of Earth's oceans. Now, the first six of those answers uh, are, are uh, uh, they apply to this not, or it may be that none of those is the answer. So, which of these is not one of Earth's oceans? If you believe the Pacific Ocean is not one of Earth's oceans, would you please raise your hand? I'm so appreciative that nobody raised their hand on that one. How about the Atlantic Ocean? Do you believe the Atlantic Ocean is the only one that's not an ocean. 
How about the Indian Ocean? Do you believe the Indian Ocean is the only one? Are y'all awake? Hello? Are you there? How about the Arctic Ocean? Do you believe the Arctic Ocean is the only one? How many of you believe the Southern Ocean is the only one that's not an ocean right there? Okay, a lot of people raise your hand. How many of you believe the Antarctic Ocean is the only one that's not an ocean? How many of you believe that it's none of the above? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, well, let me tell you, the answer is none of the above. Now, you say, wait a minute, I thought you said there were uh, five oceans that most oceanographers recognize. That is true. It is Pacific, Atlantic, Indian, and Arctic, and then the Antarctic Ocean is also called the Southern Ocean, so that's two names for the same ocean, and so actually none of those is the right answer. Those were terrible trivia questions, weren't they? I mean, you really, y'all didn't like those at all, did you? Yeah, just wait till next week. All right, so here we go. Uh, We're talking about the oceans. When I go down to the ocean, and I love the ocean. Uh, my parents ingrained into me a love of the ocean from the point that I was three or four years old. The first vacation we went on was to Panama City Beach, Florida, and that was a long, long time ago. That was back when dinosaurs still roamed the earth, and there were only two places you could go on vacation. One was Panama City Beach, Florida. The other was Gatlinburg because there were no other cities that existed on the planet earth except for Panama City Beach and Gatlinburg. And so uh, when I was about three years old, my parents took me and my brother Tim down to Panama City Beach and saw the ocean for the first time, got to smell that wonderful sour salt smell that I just love because I love, I love, love the beach. But I can't go to the ocean without thinking about God. When I look at the ocean, its vastness, I think about God, its power, I think about God. It's constant movement. I think about God. The way that that I I can get up early in the morning, I can go down the beach, I walk the beach, or maybe late in the evening walk the beach, or even during the middle of the day, just sit there under the umbrella, watch the ocean come in. The way it calms me, I can't help but think about God. And when I read the Bible, in particular, some of the poetry in the Bible, say the Psalms of the Old Testament, When you read the Psalms of the Old Testament, many of the psalmists, when they would go to the ocean, and and invariably they they went many times uh, maybe to the the Mediterranean sea coast, and uh, they would would watch the waves, they would watch the waters, and it would remind them of God. We know this because they wrote about it. Psalm 93, talking about the majesty of God, the power of God, the the firm security, the eternity of God. He opens those first two verses talking about his subject, who, who is God. And then he says, the seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. And so when the psalmist saw the ocean, they too thought of God. And so I thought, uh, some time ago, I thought, well, what is it about the ocean that reminds us of God? What are some of the things about the ocean that are, what are some things, some symbols of God that we find in the ocean? And, and that's what today's message and next week's message is about, finding uh, symbols of God in the ocean. So let me just start with this. Like the ocean, 
God is both predictable and unpredictable. Do you like that one? No, you don't like it either. God is both predictable and unpredictable. I tell you that my mom and dad introduced me to the ocean when I was about three or four. I'd never seen the ocean, wasn't even sure what it was. Dad would try to describe it for me. And so we pulled up to uh, uh, the, the motel at Panama City Beach. That was, that was before they had any high rises. If, if you stayed in a two-story motel, that was as high as the high rises got in Panama City. And we stayed at a place called, called the Carl Stevenson Motor Inn. It was family owned and operated. Uh, always went down there to the Carl Stevenson. I, I remember that we went through a, a great deal of mourning the time when we went down to Panama City Beach and the Carl Stevenson well, was no longer there. It had been graded over for some high rise to come up. But I remember they had, they had these big telephone pole uh, uh, braces uh, on the beach and they had swings hanging with chains and the, the, the swings had wooden seats in them and we would swing. But I can remember even as a, a small boy going out to the beach and those waves just kept coming and they kept coming, just pounding the beach, rolling over the beach. And one of the thoughts that I had, and I realized this was a crazy thought, I thought, uh, now, if, if, I, if I stand here and watch this long enough, when will it end? When will the waves stop coming? And so I waited and they kept coming and I waited and they kept coming. And the problem that I ran into was, and you have to understand, uh, uh, I inherited something from my dad and grandfather, and that is a good appetite. I love to eat great food. And so the waves were coming in, but it got into my supper time. And so I decided... I can't wait. So I had to go eat supper. And after supper, I went out on the patio and I looked out and the waves were still coming in. So I thought, well, maybe they will stop coming in sometime overnight. So in the morning, I get up really early. I go to the patio. I look out and sure enough, those waves are still coming in. And the next morning they were still coming in. And the next morning they were still coming in. And the day we left, those waves were still coming in. So the next year, we come back to Panama City Beach. We're at the Carl Stevenson Motor Inn, and I get out of the car. We unpack our stuff. I immediately go out to the beach to see if the waves are still coming in, and a year later, they're still coming in. And they were coming in the next day, and the next day, and the next year. And then the year after that, we didn't go to Panama City Beach. We went to Gatlinburg because those are the only two places you go on vacation. But the year after that, we come back to Panama City Beach, and the waves are still coming into the ocean. The ocean is predictable like that. Unless the Lord comes back, you and I can go any day this year or next year or the year after that down to the ocean or over to the ocean and the waves will be coming in. We can predict this with certainty. The waves will come in. The ocean is predictable like that. God is predictable. God will always be God. He always has. He always will be. He is right now. There has never been a time when God has not been God. There's never been a time when God is, has not been on the throne in charge of everything. Now, we don't understand all that that means, but this much we know God has always been and always will be in charge of everything. He is predictable that way. And God will always do what is right. He'll always do the right thing. We don't always understand why he does what he does, but one thing we can always trust is that our God will always do the right thing. He's predictable that way, but God is also unpredictable, as is the ocean, by the way. 
Uh, I'm told, and I haven't seen them, but I'm told that there are times out in the middle of the ocean that there develops, without warning, these what they call rogue waves, R-O-G-U-E, rogue waves, these wild waves. And they're like tsunami-sized waves that appear out of nowhere. And there, there's, there's no scientists, even to this day, and they've been studying this, uh, this phenomenon for centuries, and, and yet even to this day, scientists, oceanographers, marine biologists, they are at a loss as to describe and explain exactly why these rogue waves occur. Uh, they've looked at uh, volcanic eruptions under the ocean, down on the ocean floor. They've looked at earthquakes, and, but they still haven't found the explanation for these all-of-a-sudden rogue waves. And some of them can be as high as a 10-store building. They're unpredictable. Shipmen, sailors, tell us who have seen those that they just come up they can, the sea can be, be calm looking and all of a sudden there'll be one of these rogue waves that just puts everybody on edge. It's unpredictable. God is unpredictable in that way as well. He's both predictable and unpredictable. Well, how is God unpredictable? Well, there's something that you want to pray for, something that's very important to you, something very dear to your heart. You've examined the request that you're wanting to make to God and you know it's holy, you know it's godly, you know it's right morally and ethically, you know, or at least you believe with all your heart that it is God's will to meet this request that you have. And so you offer this request to God, fully trusting that it's the right thing to ask. And what happens? This has happened to you. God doesn't give you what, he asked, what you asked for. Even though you are certain from what you read in the Bible, from what you know about God, from what you've been taught about God, that your request is holy and godly, and yet God doesn't give it to you. Now, sometimes he does, but sometimes he does not. You can't really predict how God is going to respond to a specific prayer request you make. You can be assured that God will answer, but how God answers is always unpredictable. Every Wednesday night, we have a small group of people that meet up in uh, the, one of the upstairs rooms, and we have prayer meeting, and we have a list of prayer requests. Many of you are on that list. Some of your loved ones are on that list. And we go through that list. I realize it may seem tedious and redundant and repetitive, but we, we mention every single name on that list, and then we pray over them in that prayer circle. And yet we never fully know when we pray over that list exactly what God's response is going to be to any one of those requests. God is unpredictable. He's both predictable and unpredictable, like the ocean. Well, not only that, but there is more to God that we do not know than what we do know. That's true of the ocean, that's true of God. The ocean covers 71% of the earth's surface. You might want to hang on to that. I might throw that in for a trivia question next week or the week after if you're here. 71% of the earth's surface is covered by ocean waters. The ocean in that 71% contains 97% of all the water on earth. 97%, only 3% is found in uh, freshwater lakes and and rivers in countries and at the bottom of your well, 97% of the water on the earth is in the oceans. 
Now watch this. The percentage of the ocean that has been researched in detail is 5%. 5% of the ocean has been researched in detail. 95% of it has been researched in, uh, in just fragments, in just partial ways, and most of it we haven't researched at all. Now, what that means is that only 5% of the ocean do we know really in detail anything about. 95% of it, we either know very little or we know nothing about it. In the past 10 years, there was a scientific project that was designed to, uh, to, 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 uh, to list all the species in the ocean. They were way, way optimistic. And it, it, it was a 10-year-old project. Over that 10 years, scientists and oceanographers, marine biologists, they discovered 250,000 species, individual species, that we did not know about before the 10-year project. 250,000. And they were very disappointed. Now, I'd be just ecstatic that I found 250,000. They were very disappointed because the scientists said this. They says, we are of the opinion that there are at least a million, if not two million, more species that we have not even touched. That means that for every one species in the ocean we know about, there are at least three, maybe eight species that are yet undiscovered. There is more that we don't know about the ocean than what we do know. The deepest place in the ocean is a place called Mariana's Trench. It's in the Pacific Ocean. It goes down seven miles, just shy of seven miles. It's the deepest part of the ocean. It is pitch dark down there. Now watch this. We've had, I think it's, it's at least eight, it's either eight or nine men who have walked on the moon. Eight or nine People who have walked on the moon. You know how many people have been down to Mariana's Trench? Only three. We know more about the moon than we know about the ocean. We have better maps of Mars than we do of the detail floor of the ocean. All that to say, there is more that we do not know about the ocean than what we do know. And by the time even the youngest among us dies, that will still be true. Now, just as there's more about the ocean we don't know than what we do know, there's more about God that we don't know. God is infinite. He is unlimited. He is without restriction. There's no way, you know, I, I, can, take, I can take a jar and fill that jar up with ocean, but I cannot get all the ocean together. I can't just take all the ocean. I don't have a container big enough. There isn't also a container big enough to hold God. God is bigger than we are, bigger than we can imagine. And there will always be more about him that we don't know than what we do know. And here's, here's the bad news about that. A lot of the things that you and I pray for that don't get answered the way we'd like, the reasons for those are in the part about God that we don't know. And so we can't 
understand it. We can't explain it. But listen, the good thing about it is if we could know everything there is to know about God and put him very neatly and cleanly within our own boxes of knowledge, then really would he be God? He couldn't be God if we could comprehend him and understand him exhaustively. There's more to God that we do not know than what we do know. Number three, God inhabits more of our world than we realize. I told you that the ocean makes up 71% of the earth's surface. It makes up 97% of all the water that's on earth. So the ocean is, is in the majority of places in our world. But let me say this, it's, it's really even more abundant than what we realize. And, and here's why. More than 50% of the oxygen you breathe, more than 50% of the oxygen you are breathing right now in this building is produced by the ocean. Do you realize if there were no oceans whatsoever, we might be able to breathe, but we would have such a hard time breathing, we'd be constantly gasping for air. The reason, one of the reasons why we don't gasp for air is because the ocean has produced oxygen. So not only is the ocean where we know the ocean is, but what the ocean produces is around us all the time. We couldn't live without it. The clouds up in the sky come up out of the ocean to water our our gardens and our lawns, to give us water to drink. The ocean is in more places than we know. Same thing is true with God. God is what we call omnipresent. That means he is everywhere all the time. We call it everywhere present. That means that you and I cannot go anywhere that God does not exist and is present. Now that is great news. That means that we can never be away from God. But it's also bad news. It means we can never run away from God. And sometimes we'd like to run away from God, but you can't do it. In fact, King David said this in uh, Psalm 139 verse 8. He says, if I go up to the heavens, God, you are there. If I go down to the depths of Hades, even there, you are there. So God inhabits more of our lives. He cares more intimately about all of us than we ever realized. He's more involved in our world than we know. And finally, God, like the ocean, is always moving, but sometimes it seems like God is moving in slow motion. Does God ever move fast enough for you? I mean, think about it. We're we're in a world where we like everything instantaneously. If we can't get it right now, at least let us call it in and have it delivered or have it to where we can pick it up in just a few minutes. We want everything instantaneously. God has never worked that way for the most part. Not that he can't work instantaneously. He can, but most of his work, even the best of his work, is done very, very slowly. The ocean is always moving and God is always moving. Sometimes we think that God is just standing still, that he's AWOL. He's not doing anything. He's not saying anything. He's not caring about us. And the fact is that even when we can't feel him, see him, hear him, God is actively moving and he's always actively moving on our behalf. The ocean is always moving. Uh, Whenever we built our house back in uh, late 2001, moved into it in 2002, in preparation for building the house, 
my family and I had a, an argument. The argument was over whether to put a basement in the house or to put a swimming pool. We could not afford both. I voted for the basement because I'm a pack rat, but Amanda and our two kids voted for the pool. I got outvoted three to one. We built a pool. We had the pool, and it's chlorine pool because I'm too stingy to change it to salt. And so anyway, so this, this, this year, I wanted to get the pool ready for my grandbaby Bellamy to come swim in our pool. And she came Friday to swim in it. And guess what? It rained the whole time she was at my house. It was unbelievable. But I had that pool crystal clear. I tested it three different times. I would get the water up in a container. I'd take it to, to two different pool places, have them test it. Tell me what I need. They said, well, the chlor- first time I need a little bit of chlorine, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, baking soda, and then some other kind of stuff. The next time I went, there's a little too much chlorine. They need some sort of s- something. And I said, but anyway, by the time I got it just right, I'm telling you, you could go underwater. You could open your eyes and keep them open. It wouldn't bother you. The water was soft. I mean, it was just great, and it was crystal clear. I had it perfect for Bellamy. And on Friday, before the rain came in, I looked out, and not only was the pool crystal clear, but it was totally still. There was not a breeze blowing. Totally still. It was like, it was like just still glass. Let me tell you something I've never seen. I've never seen the ocean look like that. Now, I've seen the ocean calm. I've seen it very calm, almost where there were no waves, but I've never seen it motionless. I don't believe the ocean could ever be motionless. It's always moving. God cannot be motionless. He's always moving and moving on your behalf. Now, let me tell you something you may already know about the ocean. Down deep in the ocean, there is a, what they call a... uh, an underwater river. And it starts up around the, in the Arctic Circle on the floor of the ocean, up just north of, of the, the country of Norway. Down deep, because of a combination of, of salt levels in the different levels of the water and the temperature of the water and the gravity of, uh, of the earth, the water down deep in the ocean is constantly, also constantly moving. And in this underwater river, the, the water flows from the Arctic Circle in the Northern Hemisphere down through the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and all the way down to the Southern Ocean, the Antarctic Ocean. And from there, the, the temperature and the salt levels turn the water northeastward toward the Indian Ocean where they turn in a circle and they, those same waters deep in the ocean come all the way back up through the Pacific Ocean back up to the Arctic Circle. And there, there is some of that water that starts up in near Norway. Some of that same water goes all the way through that entire cycle until it comes back up toward the Arctic Circle and reaches the Arctic Circle. And, and scientists have discovered or, or have concluded that the amount of time it takes for the water to go from the Arctic Circle all the way down to the Antarctic Circle and back to the Indian Ocean and back up to the top is 1,000 years. That's mighty slow. But it's constantly working. It's working as we speak now. It's always going to be that slow. God also sometimes works really slowly. But know this. God is always working. And know this too, that God's best work 
He does slowly, meticulously, carefully, because he does his best work for you. That's the reason he sent Jesus to earth, to die on a cross for you and me, because he wanted, he would settle for nothing less than his best, and he will do it over time. He wants his best for you. Some of you right now are wondering where God is. Some of you are wondering, you think God has forsaken you to some extent, maybe to the whole extent. And, but let me just tell you, God is working. He's working for you. He's working with you. He's working on your behalf. And just like the ocean, this powerful, everywhere, always moving ocean, God is working for you. I love the ocean. Greatest thing I like about it is that when I'm sitting on the beach under my umbrella and the 500 SPF sunscreen, the ocean reminds me of my God. But the most amazing thing about God is He continuously beckons you and me to come close to him and know him. The ocean. I tell some folks sometime when it's time for a vacation, I say, Man, I, 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 can, I can hear the ocean beckoning me. I was there three weeks ago and he's already beckoning me again, I believe. One thing I can tell you for sure, God, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year is beckoning you and me. To know him more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your creation cries out praise for you. And the ocean is one of the most beautiful singers of your glory and praise. Lord, you know I can't sit at the ocean without thinking about you. It's almost like the ocean's just calling me there. And I know that you're constantly calling me to you. You're calling someone to you this morning who has never received you as Savior and Lord. You're, you're calling someone who is already a Christian, but who you want them to know you more intimately. And God, I pray that as a result of being here and worshiping with us today and encountering you, that we all will come closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.